don't know how you guys don't ever get a clogged up throat. Mine's like constantly clogged up. Well, we're not hitting the fucking vape 24 True. Yeah. I mean, These... mine's probably clogged up, but I guess I'm used to it from smoking. <laughs> I say he's hitting up the vape, or I mean, the cigarettes pretty hard. Mm. Well, yeah. I'm on that volcano life, but. Oh. Uh... Does that not clog your throat up? Mm-mm. Okay. I mean, it probably will. But... It will eventually. So, can I tell you guys about the delectable show I was watching before you arrived over here? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, do you guys, you guys remember Reverend Bob Larson, right? Yeah, the yes. old Reverend Bob Larson. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it's like a British TV show where it's literally called The Real Exorcist, and he's just going around. He'll exercise one person, and then all of a sudden, like, someone that's standing near him, he's like, hmm, I think you got demons in you, too. And he'll do it on them, and he's like, striking his cross and his bible and he's hitting them and they're growling and scr- it's so fantastic he's like f- they're growling and screaming yeah huh? yeah oh. one guy started puking oh, oh. hell yeah so oh. oh he uh i want to cover him on our episode because he's very clearly a huckster oh, like yeah. He's, yeah. he's a very modern huckster i was actually like this week, kind of looking through Amazon or whatever. I was looking up more hucksters because those are some of our my favorite episodes to do. And oh I, yeah, I found somebody else to go on the Mount Rushmore of con men. <laughs> I found okay, I got one that we're going to be doing in the near future. But I found a modern guy. He was one of the first people who like started that how to become a millionaire on the internet. Oh do you remember this? yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep, yep. His name was like Dan. Boyle or something like that. He ended up killing himself when he was oh. facing charges. Oh. But oh. so it's not Dan Bilzerian. No, <laughs> isn't he a gambler? Well, that's what he says. <laughs> what else would he be? His dad was a billionaire and hit a lot of his money when he got arrested for embezzlement. So okay. he hid the money in fucking Dan's accounts. <laughs> okay, so he pretended. Like he was this awesome blackjack, or is he poker? Online poker, online poker tournaments. Uh, yeah, the okay. most he's ever won in a poker tournament is like fifty grand. Okay, okay, so that makes sense why he can afford to rent a tank and everything. Yeah, yeah. it's daddy's money. Yeah. Okay, Dan, we're on to you now. He'll deny it till the day he dies. But... Well, yeah, obviously he will. What a crazy man. But uh, but yeah, this guy, I'm like trying to find a biography about him and it's literally all his like self-help books on how to get rich on the internet <laughs> it has like the windows 95 logo on oh. it with like the computer coming on him and everything use this to make money this high-tech <laughs> fucking windows 95 god what a i don't know how much he made i'm assuming millions of dollars awful but uh uh ye he you remember ye from work right yeah he was telling me about this podcast where it's basically like these guys, it, I, he kind of made it sound like, I don't want to say the history of the internet, but like they research things that happened on the internet, a lot of con stuff. Interesting. Okay. Like the uh, the Indian guy who calls you and says like, hey, uh, can you give me your password? Your Windows isn't working or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that. Like they track down these people and stuff and but- find them all. Oh, the missing four or not missing four one one. Uh I can't I wish I could remember what it's, it's called. It's like a forty three scam or something. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah, Nigerians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they get them. Yeah. yeah. But that was just like one of the topics they cover. They covered a lot of other like different weird shit that's transpired on the internet. I thought it sounded yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's great. I sh- he's gonna tell me after he hears this what it is, but it sounded amazing. 
That's I right. need to check it out because that shit is so interesting. Uh, have you ever seen the film Jesus Camp? <laughs> no. It sounds like I need to. I might have. It's a documentary <laughs> about this crazy bitch that's <laughs> fucking trying to make a Christian army. She's inspired by Al-Qaeda and oh. their children soldiers. So okay. she's trying to do it for... Oh, fuck yeah. For the Lord, for the, for the Christ. I can get behind that. When you say Jesus Camp, all I can think about is the second season of True Blood for some reason. Oh, Remember where Stackhouse, Stackhouse? Yeah. yeah, hell he, like, yeah. fucks that dude's wife and <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> uh, well, Jesus Camp is on Hulu. No I started kidding. it. It's uh, horrifying. Is it? Is it yeah. like a series or is it a No, it's a, it's a movie from like 2001 or okay. 2002 or something. And it takes place in Kansas, Missouri. Okay. Some of those are good, though. Ugh, it's horrifying. <laughs> mm. I, I wonder where all them kids are now. I don't know, but did, the parents are who I'm worried about. Did you reach it? Did they, like, shut it down, or was it just, like... I could only watch half of it, and mm-hmm. then I had to, like, turn it off for a while. I saw uh, Germany has outlawed the gay conf- uh, gay conversion therapy oh, good. for minors. Well, oh, oh, just for, for minors, just okay. for minors, uh, which is a start. That's stepping the right you direction. You gotta stop that psychotic shit, dude. That is, shit is insane. Mike Pence probably lost his mind when he heard that. <laughs> he probably doesn't like Germany anyway. True. <laughs> uh, who's who's our that lady who was a uh, was she a House member or senator from Minnesota? Her husband was doing that stuff. She was really crazy. Bach, was Michelle, Michelle Bachman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know her husband was doing that yeah. stuff. Well, no, her husband is gay. But I think he runs a clinic or whatever you want to call that crazy shit. Where well, they... yeah, that's like his beard to hide it. But but I'm no, s- like I'm there's s- a lot of rumors that he is uh, very in the closet. I mean, he probably is if he's doing that sort of shit. Yeah. I would assume. I don't know. Don't know. Don't have a hit squad. Don't come care. Kill us, don't but... really care. <laughs> you don't care about Michelle, Michelle Bachman? Bachman can go eat a dick as far <laughs> yeah. as I'm concerned. I still can't I believe I care. went to fucking high school with her kids. Really? Yeah. Poor bastards. Her son is a little prick. I'm not surprised. Well, we got a long one, so hello, welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Sitting across from me, as always, Jordan. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It is going well. How was your week? It was It was fine and dandy. Oh, boy. Any, got a crib uh, built. Oh, yeah. Nice Ooh, job. Ooh, Ikea? No. Wherever <laughs> Amy's parents got it. Okay. Probably Schneiderman's. Jesus camp. <laughs> Probably Jesus. Uh, all right, Jordan. Everything went well. Oh yes. All right, good. Cody also here. Hello. Hello. Uh, how was your week? Uh, it was good. I I beat Doom sixty four on Steam. Ooh, yeah, that a boy. Awful. I love that game. Really? I love it. Childhood memories. Doom sixty four. Huh? Yes. And then I uh, I found I'm gonna finally. Play through the Resident Evil 2 remaster this nice. week. Nice. You're it was gonna, like $13 I found it. So. You're going to love it or oh, shit yeah. your pants. Did you buy Nemesis 2 or no? No, no, no. I just, you know me, I'm cheap. I wait yeah. for him to go on sale. Yeah. <laughs> Is Doom 64 the one where the video online, they did the uh, Tim Allen mod where every sound was of Tim the Toolman Taylor? That uh, was probably just Doom. Yeah. Oh, okay. You could or mod Doom the 2. Sh- you could mod the shit out of original Doom. Yep. Yeah. Like you shoot your gun, it's just. <laughs> I have a Seinfeld one too. All right, Cody, why don't you take it away? Uh, should we do it? All right. Uh, so we got Jerry Brudos part, part two. Two. Uh, do we need? I guess I'm sure most people have uh, 
remember from part one what happened. Basically, not a lot. Kind of just his backstory. He got married. He had his first kid and all of that. They wanted a naked household and right. they said no. Right. Have either of you tried that in a naked household? Not yet. No. Not yet. Okay, well, maybe you should. Anyway. Um, I-, I hope too soon. <laughs> now, the year is 1967. Jerry had just gotten married had his first child, even if he didn't appear to like her that much, seemed to be making a decent amount of money for the time, but Jerry's violent behavior was about to escalate like so many other serial killers, and his trigger this time is something a little peculiar. Now, as mentioned previously, when Darcy was pregnant with her first child, Megan, Jerry wanted nothing to do with her. But when Darcy found out she was pregnant with her second child... Jerry was ecstatic. Now, somehow, Jerry was certain this was going to be a little baby boy. And being that Jerry's father had been so distant distant throughout his childhood, Jerry was determined to show his son a much different world. I feel like this is a very common thing, right? Yes. Maybe your parents didn't, whatever your I don't know. Try and do better than the generation before you right. for your children. But as a serial killer, <laughs> that's going to be hard, even if his father was a dickhead, Jerry's yeah. father. I was kind of wondering this. Like, obviously, his father was distant. Do you think his father was distant because he was scared of his wife? Maybe. <laughs> hey, just, maybe. I was like, it kind of sounded like that. Sheesh. She's mean. You might as well stay away from her. Yeah. Anyway. Just leave her. Let her have her space. <laughs> Now, while he was certainly excited about their second child, Jerry demanded that he be in the delivery room when Darcy gave birth to their son. Now, as we know, Jerry was an extremely insecure man. His jealousy was boundless and for some reason was exceedingly envious of the doctor being able to look at his wife's vagina during childbirth. That pissed him off? That he hates that. He is so mad. He doesn't oh like. Oh my god. He doesn't like a man touching her yeah. at all. Even a doctor. That's insane. Oh Jesus. Now, when the time finally came for the birth of their child, Jerry would find himself being blocked upon trying to enter the delivery room. The nurses told him the doctor gave him gave them strict instructions that he was not allowed inside to watch. Obviously furious now, Jerry just returned home and awaited his wife's arrival from the hospital. I thought this was really weird. Like, she's giving birth and he just sat at home and waited for her and the child to come home. He didn't visit him. He didn't yeah, do anything. Yeah, what the oh, fuck? Oh, just uh, when they pull up in a cab, she's uh, he's like, "Hey, how's it going?" Is it like is this? Get your own bags. I don't. Is this normal for the sixties? I don't know. That's crazy. That is insane. When Darcy finally arrived home with their son, Jerry asked, "Why wasn't he allowed in the delivery room?" Jerry said, "Why? You told me I could be there." Darcy said. I didn't want you to watch another man play with me. Ooh. I didn't think it was right. It's a doctor. <laughs> yeah. I is he playing with you? Because I, I think that's kind of against what he is yeah. supposed well, to be doing. I don't know why she used those words. Why is the doctor playing with me? I mean, maybe, I don't know. That's creepy. Golly. After this, Jerry was visibly upset, so much so apparently tears were running down his face. And, of course, he entered his... 
depressed mode. Oh, Gaslight City. Right. Now, so he's got postpartum depression <laughs> as a father. Yes. That's not usually how that works. I, I, or, uh, Jordan, let's ask you, are you planning on being in the delivery room with your wife? Yes. Okay. So Are you I, planning on having postpartum depression? <laughs> no. Okay. Did you tell the doctor, don't touch my wife, <laughs> don't play with my wife? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a female or male doctor? Uh, I believe the delivery doctor is a female. So I, I actually heard on a, a podcast recently, they're talking about watching their wives or whatever give birth. Um... Apparently, a lot of them, uh, they have a C-section, and they're not quite expecting to see what they get oh, to see. Oh, sure. Like, get to the see inside the of, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're expecting a normal canal birth, no. and you have a C-section, you see their guts kind of pulled out. Well, I thought with a C-section, they had to, like, bring them to an OR, and you wouldn't be allowed in. So, I don't know. There's a lot of people who have yeah, seen... Yeah, you can definitely watch C-section. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd want to watch that. Pretty I, sure my older brother did with did with my nephew, yeah. Uh, uh, Jordan, it might be a good experience for you. Just do it. <sighs> Now, usually when Jerry would go into his depressed mode... Gaslighting mode. <laughs> he would just go steal a piece of woman's clothing or shoes, but this event seemed to push him over the edge. His rage was boiling over, and he needed to do something more than just steal a piece of clothing. So that evening, Jerry headed out into downtown Portland, sadly, not to see a druid show, but instead <laughs> waited until he spotted a woman with shoes he liked. Now, prior, he had assaulted two women and stole their shoes, but his rage was insurmountable, and he needed to do more than that. So when he found a woman that caught his eye, he would watch her for hours. He followed her as she shopped for groceries. He followed her on the bus until she reached her stop, then carefully watched her go into her apartment and then watch for the apartment light to come on to see which room was hers. That is so creepy. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, a peeping Jerry. Yeah. After this, he just sat and waited until he was certain she had gone to sleep. After that, he crept into her apartment entered her bedroom, and began to dig through her closet. The woman then woke up and noticed the shadowy figure in her room, but before she could scream out, Jerry quickly wrapped his large hands around her neck and strangled her until she lost consciousness. This is uh, kind of like BTK there. Very yeah, much, yeah. right? I was thinking about this, like... uh his murders, like, in this story are going to come really fast, kind of like we did with Ed. And I almost think this guy is he, less murders, but he's. I feel like he's more sick than fucking Kemper was. Than the big oaf? Because wow. he tortured people. I yeah. don't know why. Like, before you kill him, he tortures them. Yeah. That, to me, is, like, way yeah. worse. But anyway. Man, it seems like all these guys just gather up this huge head of steam. Mm. And their their sprees don't usually last that long. No, no. There's only a few that are... His is less than a year. Yeah, that's... So and it's like they like... build up this whole lifetime of insanity. Mm. And then as it blows over, they don't... They usually get caught pretty quick. Now, according to Jerry... He hadn't thought of rape this entire time, but seeing the woman unconscious and him being able to do whatever he wanted to do to her body, 
It was just too much for him to resist, so he ended up raping the poor girl. It's his childhood oh, ambition to I mean, have really. uh, an unconscious doll that he can do whatever he wants yeah. with. Yeah, he 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 loved like kind of like Kemper. He like wants to control the body, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. After he was finished, he took the shoes he had been looking for and just left the apartment. Later. Now the second big event in 1967 actually almost ended up killing Jerry Brudos. After he had left his radio station job, uh, his new job was an electrician. Now, he was working on one bench and reached across to connect a live wire in his hand to terminals on another bench when all of a sudden, 480 volts shot through his upper body (laughs) and he was literally (laughs) thrown over the fucking bench. Now, I'm going to tell a quick story here that... uh, Okay, I get all you electricians out there, I get... The amps are more important than the volts. That's right. Okay? That's, That's not right. important. Yeah. We don't know what amps he was touching here. But I actually looked this up to see what it looks like when someone gets shocked by this. And there was a Reddit thing of this guy who was doing AMA after he survived one of these uh, shocks, you know. And his hands had, like, little dots of where the burn marks were. Okay. okay. Yeah. Then this other guy posted in that thread where he got shocked by, like, some 500-something volts. Dude, you remember the movie The Mummy? Yeah. This guy's hand, the entire hand, looked like the mummy's hand. It was just necrotic skin. It was one of the most disgusting photos I've ever seen. You're supposed to keep one hand in your pocket at all times, (laughs) I think. You're not supposed to grab things while you're holding live wire. It was, dude, it was... So disgusting. I oh. can't even describe it. It looks like uh, a movie prop. Man, you know what the worst thing that's going to happen to me is? I get a little blob of concrete on my face. Oh, you don't have to touch wires? No. <laughs> okay. Ugh, God, that, I should show you guys that picture. It's fucked up. I anyway. don't want to see it. Yucky. <laughs> now, this certainly would have killed or hospitalized plenty of people, but somehow, Jerry didn't even lose consciousness. He was certainly dazed and had burns, presumably on his hands, and he had also injured his neck in the accident, which will cause him problems for the rest of his life. Now, as mentioned uh, in part one, Jerry had suffered from severe migraines, and they had certainly been plaguing him this entire time still, sometimes to the point of almost blacking out. Mm. And after getting electrocuted, his headaches continued to get worse and worse, and even more peculiar, within a year, he will begin to escalate uh, his robbery, assault, and rape into full-out murder. So, wait a second. Right. Do you think, he, like, do you actually think that getting electrocuted it, could have, like, shocked violent crimes into his head? What if he got brain damage? Like, hurt, yeah. that, hurt that, like, maybe he Prefrontal was, cortex? Yeah. Maybe he was a rapist and all of that, uh, but he... He never really talked about murdering anybody. He didn't really kill animals or anything. So it's like this happened and then instantly starts killing people. This is the head trauma. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I, that was kind of my theory. It's very weird. I don't, I don't. Late in life too, this head trauma. Or maybe the headaches just got so painfully had to take it out on someone. It's it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, people suffer from migraines. I don't really know how you fix it. I think you, you throw just kinda, up and you try yeah. and fall asleep as much as possible. Ugh, sounds horrible. Anyway, on January 26, 1968, Jerry was working outside in his yard 
when 19-year-old Linda Slauson crossed his path. Now, Linda Slauson was doing the absolutely horrible job of selling encyclopedias door-to-door. Also a huge scam. Oh, yes, it is. I still can't believe that was an actual job. Oh, God. Now, listen to this. She had an appointment to meet with someone who was interested in possibly purchasing some encyclopedias within the same neighborhood, but wasn't sure exactly which house it was. Figuring it could potentially be Jerry, she asked if he was the one who was interested in purchasing encyclopedias, and Jerry said, Yes, I am. Come on in, Jerry told the girl. There's some company upstairs. We can talk without being interrupted downstairs. My workshop is down there. I'm really interested in buying encyclopedias. You don't mind? I've never experienced a door-to-door encyclopedia salesman. Have either of you guys? No. No. Okay. No, but it's the same as any of those <laughs> bastards. Buy some Cutco knives. Or rainbow vacuums or any of it. I got, I've got. i gotten the Windows one. Oh, the door-to-door yeah. Door-to-door window salesman. I'm sure they make, I mean, if you could buy it, if they sell them, I'm sure they make good money. One of our listeners' wives had to put up a no soliciting sign because her husband, uh... I remember this. Her husband bought Windows and changed their <laughs> trash company <laughs> while he was wasted. <laughs> Hell yeah. Now, naturally, she was skeptical about going into his basement, but if she could land just one sale of these books, it would cover her month's rent... And bills, and because she was so young, she really, really needed the money. That is crazy. How much are they paying you if you can sell one fucking set of them? It literally said, if she can sell one set of these goddamn books, that's your whole month's bills paid. That's insane. Yeah. How much do they charge for the books? I should have looked it up. A through Z, you gotta have them all. So she Some of those letters have even more than one book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man, I need to research World War II. Ooh, sorry, we had to skip out on uh, WRNX. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm guessing can't look up the, Subarus either. I, I'm guessing the internet probably killed this business. Yes, <laughs> yes very much so, Cody. Anyway, uh, she agreed to follow Jerry. Also, the company he spoke of was his daughter, Megan, and his mother-in-law, who was babysitting Megan. (laughs) When he got Linda in the basement, uh, she had sat down on a chair, preparing her sales pitch. Jerry moved behind her, pretending to be looking for something. What he was looking for was actually a 2x4 that he then took and smashed her over the head with it, knocking her to the ground. He wasn't sure if she was dead at this point, but he could but he wrapped his hands around her neck and strangled her for a very long time, claiming later he could feel the bones cracking in her neck. Ugh. This is what he said. I don't know. I, I know there's a weird bone that cracks in your throat when you're being suffocated. Isn't it your larynx? It might be. It's like a bone you can only break by doing that. I didn't remember that. Ugh. Anyway. Yucca pucka. Moments after just killing poor uh, Linda, he heard footsteps upstairs. Remembering his mother-in-law was still upstairs, he figured he better make sure she doesn't come into the basement. So he went upstairs and talked with her. Jerry told her, I'm starved. Don't bother with dinner, though. Why don't you take the kid and go get some hamburgers? (laughs) She replied, It's raining. It's nasty out there. Why don't I just fix some? 
He interrupted her and whipped out a $5 bill and said, I want a double cheeseburger. <laughs> you get what you want for you two. Stay there and eat yours and then order mine when you're ready to come home. No hurry. Knock on the floor when you get back. How is that not suspicious? That's some Rick and Morty shit. Oh, you God. eat at the restaurant and then come back. Make sure you knock on the floor when you come back. Oh. So Megan and his mother-in-law left and Jerry returned to the basement where the lifeless body of Linda laid on the ground. He was getting ready to do what he had desired to do with her body mm. when all of a sudden he heard more footsteps from coming from upstairs, but they were much heavier. That had to be a man's footsteps. There should not be a man in the house. Oh, you're going to find out who it is here. Okay. This time, though, he hid Linda's body under the stairwell and proceeded back upstairs. But this time... It was Jerry's friend and neighbor, Ned Rawls. Ned? <laughs> what Ned happened? Ryerson? That just sounds like a dude who is annoying and won't leave, a, yeah. leave you alone. He, he sounds Rawls. like a Flanders with the wrong <laughs> last name. <laughs> Should have looked up a picture of him. Now, he was just stopping by to bullshit a little, so Jerry and Ned just sat and chatted for about ten minutes. This had to piss him off. Oh, yeah. Jerry told Ned he was working with nitroglycerin in the basement, which apparently caused Ned to finally oh. fucking leave. Oh, really, Jerry? All right, I'm going to get out of here then if you're working with nitro in the basement. Why would you believe him? Oh, like, I don't why know. Why do you have oh, that down there? Fucking idiot. Just freezing toads. <laughs> Jerry then returned to the basement to finally do what he had wanted to do with her lifeless body. He started undressing her body. Enjoying her undergarments, but plan on changing her clothing with the huge collection of women's clothing that he already had. Right. But in the midst of him re redressing the body, his mother-in-law banged on the floor. Jerry had to go upstairs, eat his cheeseburger, make small talk for a while. And after this, he finally returned to the basement, dressed and redressed the girl's corpse over and over. He was really upset. That he didn't have any film for his camera. But according to him, he wasn't expecting to be able to lure Linda into his basement either. Right. So, I, it's so it's so weird to me that he literally is like... The, I don't know if he like was looking at this girl or whatever. He just like, oh, she's coming downstairs. I might as well kill her. Like, what... You wonder what's going on in his head, like just a split-minute decision? Crime of opportunity. I and guess. this mania where he's just like, he's dressing and redressing over. What's going through his head at that moment? Like what, he realizes he's crossed the line now at this point, right? I I guess. What if they had real dolls then? Do you think he would have not killed anybody? If he took himself <laughs> off the dating market and just fucked a lifeless rubber woman, this maybe. all could have been avoided maybe. I don't know, fucking, this guy is so weird. So after a few hours, his wife had finally returned home, and he once again went upstairs to chat with her for a while and told her, she's had a long day, why don't you just go to bed, Darcy? After Darcy did that, he went back down to the basement to dress up her corpse for a while, <sighs> but he knew he would need to get rid of her body before the morning. Yeah. Oh, God. But he wanted to also keep a souvenir. So he cut off her left foot and placed it into the freezer. Oh. His plan was to use her foot to model his oh, shoes. Oh, like a mannequin foot, but right. a real one. I don't know why he couldn't just get a real mannequin foot. Oh, why my do you God. need a real foot? I don't I'll know. tell you why, because he's lost the fucking grip. <laughs> he's lost the plot. Do you see what I mean, though? Like, 
I don't know. Maybe the electricity fried something in his head. He's like instantly yeah, just yes. like in kill mode now. It's very strange. When he was finally finished, he loaded up Linda's body and tied an engine head to her to make sure she would sink to the bottom of the river. Mm. Around 2 a.m., he headed to St. John Bridge. Now, to not make himself look too suspicious, he jacked his car up pretending he was changing a flat. After the coast was clear, he picked up Linda's body and the engine head and tossed it into the Willamette River. Now, it's an interesting thing is when the cops finally find these bodies... They're like, there's no one, there's no way one man can lift a body and an engine head and toss it in there. Really? I mean, that's a lot. I agree. I agree. But are they fucking, are you saying he might have had an accomplice or what? Well, we're going to talk about it at the very end. The cops certainly think so. But uh, I think he might have just been a strong man. Just had that gorilla strength. He's a big boy. I don't know. Anyway. After this, he undid the jack and just drove home. Now, after Jerry committed his first murder, it seems that his demeanor seemed to change a little bit. While Jerry was very upset about the doctor touching his wife, he treated his new son, Jason, much, much better than he did with Megan. He would take Jason with him when he was running errands. He wanted to teach Jason to be as electronically and mechanically as inclined as he was, basically attempt to create a... Mini Jerry. Mm. With Darcy, <laughs> Jerry began to pull back slightly. Huh, keep him on slightly. Right. <laughs> on his control and restrictions that he had placed on Darcy, which included finally allowing her to go out and visit her female friends, which sounds like he didn't do that previously. Like he didn't oh. let her go anywhere except for work and home. So is it the combination of his son and the fact that he's killed now, or I, what? I think we're gonna hear in a minute. He, like, I think he kills, and it's almost like he's not interested in his wife anymore. Yeah, uh, but he doesn't admit that. He's like, "Hey, go do, yeah, go do whatever. Get out of here, because uh, I'm gonna. I, I, I get off people. on this now. I'm yeah. gonna have new wives. This around. is his new thing." Now, after the electrical accident, as mentioned, Jerry's migraines continue to intensify and become more frequent. Oftentimes, Darcy and the kids would have to leave the house because the slightest noise would apparently just amplify said migraines. Darcy was always telling him, just go to the fucking doctor. But Jerry's bullheaded and always refused mm. to. I'm not sure why he did that. Why Don't not fuck, go to the doctor? Fuck doctors. Yeah. I guess. Well. <laughs> Around the same time, Darcy began to realize that she no longer enjoyed having sex with Jerry. She no longer wanted to pose nude for him. She no longer wanted to dress up fancy all the time. That's what Jerry calls it. Mm -hmm. And when Jerry wanted the two of them to go out dancing, of course, with her wearing high heels the entire time, she couldn't because her bad knee would cause her a great deal of pain. Makes sense, right? Of course. Not trying to do salsa with my (laughs) knee all flared up. This is such like a 60s activity. Hey, baby, why don't we go out dancing? <laughs> I remember when I was younger, my mom would be like, why don't you find a nice girl? You guys go out dancing. I'm like, what? mom, nobody does that anymore. <laughs> nobody goes out well, no, dancing Mom, anymore. you don't want to see the dancing they do mm. nowadays. Because mm-hmm. we aren't doing the waltz, dude. Mm-mm. Now, as we know, when Darcy wouldn't do what Jerry wanted, he would act act depressed and sad and just drive off somewhere, presumably to steal ladies' garments, but now 
he now when he got into this mood it would escalate to murder now in the spring of 1968 jerry had just lost his job and decided to pack up and move to salem now darcy was actually happy because they were moving into a lovely house at 3123 center street that had a nice fenced-in yard for the kids i'm gonna say this i didn't write it here but uh the fence was chicken wire oh okay. that's really nice fenced-in <laughs> oh, for the God. kids Enjoy, kids. Enjoy <laughs> I mean, chicken, I'm, kids. I'm not hating because we had a lot of chicken wire fences back home. But well, yeah, because you probably had chickens. Well, yeah, but there wasn't no chickens in the chicken wire. Wasn't no chickens in the chicken <laughs> wire, boy. Back home, we didn't have no chickens in the chicken wire, boy. If we, if we bring chicken down there in Iowa. I actually looked up this address. Like, on Google Maps, it pops up, but it, for some reason now, it's like a different street. And hmm. like I, I'm assuming they tore it down. Maybe the for house tourism. Yeah, they probably. changed all of it around. Anti dark tourism, I guess. Right. Jerry liked it because it had a huge attic and a huge, huge garage, which will end up becoming his little workshop slash murder dungeon. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, this house was located a short dif- distance from where he had badly beaten that girl in his teenage years. Oof. After the Brudoses had moved, it appears Jerry was having trouble finding a job, mind you. (laughs) There were plenty of jobs he could have gotten with the food and paper mill industries, but always had an excuse, which usually included his headaches were just too bad or his neck was hurting. It sounds like my dad's brother. (laughs) (laughs) Does it? Just a lifelong idiot. Jerry usually spent his time unemployed just moping around the house and began to gain weight at a rapid pace. One day, Darcy teased Jerry a little about his weight, and of course, Jerry got upset, ran off into another room. Jerry returned a short time later and stood before Darcy, completely decked out in women's clothing. Whoa. Um... A, okay. A bra stuffed with something that uh, to make it look like breasts. You think I'm fat? I'm going to go dress up in titty, titty clothes. This seems like a real Peter Griffin thing to do. Yeah, what is this? <laughs> he had a girdle on, mm. star- stockings with a garter, and the biggest pair of pointy-toed high heels he had. And he topped it off with a beautiful wig. Beautiful. Oh. Darcy... Didn't didn't respond very well to this. No shit. <laughs> she just gave him a nervous chuckle, but was too afraid to say or do anything. Uh, that's funny, Jerry. <laughs> that's really funny. According to Darcy, at the time, she didn't really even understand what a sexual fetish was. Wow. Their sex life had been fairly vanilla up to this point, and the wildest thing they had ever done was pose naked for pictures. She simply had no idea what to make of seeing Jerry in women's clothing. It's like the Native Americans when they saw the Spanish ships and they, they looked right through them because they couldn't visualize what a ship was. Is that true? Yeah, that's what they really? said. That's a theory anyway. Mm. That the Native Americans couldn't see the Spanish ship of the lines because because uh, they had no idea what a ship was. Do you, Okay, do humans do this when they don't understand what's going on? Like kind of just... Freeze up? Yeah. yeah. Hmm, interesting. Now, after moments of awkward silence, Jerry just returned to his room with a disappointed look on his face and returned a few mo- moments later in his normal clothing. 
I I want to see like what Jerry was doing during that silence. If he was just standing there, if he was kind of posing, it's like finger guns. You know what's going on. I, Thumbs I, up. I I seriously Look, think, twist my hips. I seriously think that's what he he was like looking for her to I don't know acceptance of it or like wanting her to be turned on by it maybe or something. Very I don't strange. Know. Very strange indeed. I mean, I feel like in like modern times, if he wanted to cross-dress or whatever, perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. But, uh, as long as he had a partner that was okay with it. And right. He's, okay. he's kind of like sneaking up on Darcy with this, who seems like an extremely conservative woman. Yeah, he's ambushing the hell out of her. <laughs> yeah. This is like a boiling point right now. <laughs> now, like I said, nothing more was said, although Darcy did wonder where the hell he had gotten the woman's clothing from, but was just too afraid to ask him. Yeah. In the fall of 1968, Jerry had finally found himself a job as an electrician. Yay. Around the same time period is when Jerry decided to tell Darcy she was not allowed inside the garage slash workshop. He had installed a really strong padlock and told Darcy, Just tell me what you want for supper and I'll get it out of the freezer for you. <laughs> I don't want you butting into my dark room when I'm working. You'll ruin everything if you do. This is very suspicious. Yes. But, <laughs> hey, photography, that's a decent cover. Yeah. I, you don't, I, I if suppose. you ruin my fucking film, Darcy, straight to the moon with you. I mean, it, he's, like, very uh, what, uh, abusive without being physical. Yes. yes. And he's mentally abusive. Right. Now, the attic was where he kept his tro uh, treasure trove of women's clothing, but he knew... He knew that Darcy wouldn't bother going up there anyway because she was afraid of the rats and mice. Jerry also started to demand that Darcy call when she was about to come home from wherever she was. Jerry told Darcy, You call me before you come home. <laughs> I'd like to have some warning who's going to pop in on me. Darcy said, But I'm your wife. You just call. Like I told you. Ugh, right there. There's an abusive statement. Yes. Jesus. I actually like... I would. I don't mind that. Like, I like when people call me when they're on their way. Yeah. That way I can straighten up a little bit. Well, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume you don't have a dead body in your house well, that's a large <laughs> assumption. That's a big assumption to you. Darcy said Jerry would literally call the homes of her friends to make sure she was still there. Darcy said this later. He wanted to know where I was, what I was doing, when I was coming home. He was terribly jealous of me, wondering who I was with, and I never was with anyone but my girlfriends. Once I asked him why he always... Once I asked him why he was always checking on me, why I couldn't just come back to my own house without... without calling first. He made a joke of it. He said he wanted to be sure he got the blonde out of the house before I got there. Yeah, oh. alright, Jerry. The old reverse. The old, what a the old joke reverse. What a tool. The I feel like that's a very, like, 50s joke. Hey, uh, Betty, I gotta get the blonde out of here before you come home. Uh, make sure you call. <laughs> now, there may be a reason for him wanting a heads up, and that reason being he is about to capture and murder his next victim. One day in November of 1968, 23-year-old Jan Whitney had been traveling down I-5 when her red and white Nash Rambler Jeez. had broken oh, down. Oh, fuck, yes. Hell yeah. This guy, that car's worth a lot of money now, I think. Oh, yeah. It. 
And they're gorgeous cars. So you you would uh, you'd be rocking this bad boy, huh? Oh fuck yeah! Hell yeah! Like those old Nashes and Packards and stuff. <sighs> Love I could, them. I could totally see Jordan like cruising in this subs, and he's got a do rag on. Sure. All there. Sure. It'd be badass. Listen, hey, I just want my El Camino back. <laughs> of course, you had an El Camino. <laughs> Eighty-seven, baby. <laughs> that would be all right. Yeah. Did you have the uh, uh, footprint gas pedal? And the chain, no, it was my uncle's old ranch truck, and I was going to restore it, and then I started looking at how much El Camino parts cost in yeah. 2006, and it went to Upol. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jerry just so happened to notice uh, as he passed by, so he ended up pulling over and offered to help Jan with the car because he knew how to work on cars. Sure, he's a little mechanic, man. <laughs> now, according to Jerry... Jan had two hippie guys with her that they assume were hitchhikers that Jan was giving a ride to. Jerry told Jan, I can fix your car, but I'll need to go home and gather all my tools. Why don't the three of you just ride with me? They all agreed after they reached Salem. Jerry dropped the two hippies off on an off-ramp, so presumably they could hitch another ride. Oh, they... Okay, right, right, right. They were hitchhikers, right? Right. right, right. I Well, they think they're hitchhikers. Right. We don't really uh, know. But... Otherwise, why the fuck would they have gotten out yeah. and been like, all right, we'll just leave you with Jan, then? You know hippies can't work on yeah. cars. Come yeah. on. <laughs> oh, bro, this is harsh in my mellow, bro. Maybe if we give the car a joint. <laughs> After this, Jerry said, I said I'd take her back and fix her car. I drove to my house on Center Street and pulled into my garage. I told her to wait there in the car while I told my wife I was going back to fix her car. And she did. I told her my tools were in the house. Jerry pretended to try to enter the house, but the door was locked and claimed he needed to wait for his wife to come home, which should only be a few more minutes. Just a couple minutes. (laughs) Obviously, the truth was Darcy wasn't going to be home for several hours. Jerry said this happened next. I got in my car and sat behind the girl. I said it was a funny thing to ask someone to close his eyes and try to explain how to lo- how to tie a shoe. You know, without using your hands to show how, when you can't see. She looked at me and started using her hands, and, to- and I told her that wasn't what I meant. That she had to turn her head around and look toward the front and tell me what to do without moving her hands. So she turned around and she's saying, You take the right lace and you pass it over the left and underneath... And I took a mailman's leather strap I'd gotten from the house and made a loop over her head and pulled it tight around her throat. Then I opened the rear car door and put my end of the strap through it and closed. She was pulled back and bent backward over the seat. Jesus. Okay, how he's explained this, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, must have been a four-door car, right? Mm. And then he's sitting behind her, and then is he using, like, the headrest to do this? I was so confused, like, how he did murdered this girl, but... You know, like the, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know it's what very the fuck confusing. I just read, to be honest. Yeah. See, the thing is, I think he, he did it and then used the door to continue finishing the work. Okay. Yeah, I is think what that's I what shut it, it is. Like, closed it in the door? Yeah, I think. I don't, I, it's very confusing. Anyway, after she was dead, Jerry went into the house to make sure his wife wasn't home yet, and then returned to his car and pre- proceeded to have sex with Jan's dead body. After this, he removed her body from the car, ended up having sex with her body again, dressing her body up in all sorts of different clothing, took pictures, and hoisted her up by ropes in the workshop to pose. So this is the famous one, then. Right. This is the one where 
Well, let's not spoil it yet. Okay. Jerry didn't dispose of Jan's body right away. In fact, for several days, her body would sit in his workshop, and after he got off of work, he would dress her and have sex with her body again. Ooh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Then he determined that before he disposed of her body, he needed to keep a piece of Jan, similar to how he had kept Linda's foot. So he decided he was going to try to make a paperweight out of one of her breasts. So he cut off her right breast, skinned the inside, stretched the skin over a sawdust mound, and tacked the edges onto a board, then used plastic to make a mold, but it didn't work because apparently he added too much hardener. Okay. So, I, okay. it's very, I don't, maybe that's how you make a mold, like not serial killer mold, like a regular mold, I don't know. So, okay, so the mold didn't work, this isn't right. happening. I think he had it like, whole, like you have the shape of it and then you pour it over the top of it or whatever, I assume that's what it is, I don't really know. So did he keep the tit skin then? Oh, we're gonna talk about okay. that shortly, so hold on now. Now, as mentioned, he had kept Jan's body hanging in his garage for several days. That's going to stink. And it just so happened that when the Brudos family went to Portland for Thanksgiving, someone had crashed their car into his garage and left a huge hole in it. Obviously, (laughs) I I assume it's a drunk driver. That's like a very common 60s thing. That's insane. Everyone was driving drunk in the 60s. (laughs) Hey, my granny's house got ran into by the next door neighbor who thought he was pulling into his driveway. Dude, where your grandma lives, there's like, that's a fuck. That's like 50, 75 foot. Well, it hit her house, though. It, it, not oh, the garage. not the garage. Yeah, she, okay. He, he hit I was the like, fucking house because he thought he was pulling into his own driveway. <laughs> fucking drunken idiot. That remind, I mean, this isn't a drunk guy, but the, the guy had a stroke on our street here, and he came crashing into our yard. I think he hit the tree out here. <laughs> Is that, did he flip? <laughs> no, no, no. He just came into the yard, and then Jesus. they called the ambulance for him or whatever. Poor Sheesh. bastard. Yeah. Now... Obviously, the police came out and wanted to get into the garage, but it was locked, and nobody was home, so they just left their card. Now, if the police officer would have literally shined his light through the hole, Mm. they would have seen Jan Whitney's body just hanging there. Like a field-dressed deer, man. I don't know how it didn't smell, honestly. Like, how do they not smell anything? I don't know. I mean, you leave a pound of hamburger out for... Overnight, it stinks up your fucking house. I feel like the cops at this point are a lot of, like, don't ask, Drunks. don't tell, and that, too. <laughs> yeah, they're just policing. They're yeah. not at war with the community. They're no. just trying to protect the community. When Jerry returned home, he quickly figured out what had happened and moved Jan's body into his pump house, then proceeded to contact the police, who came out and inspected everything, but never suspected there had been a dead body hanging there. Soon after this, Jerry once again took the body, weighed her body down with a piece of scrap iron, and threw her into the Willamette River. I, You know, aren't you just making a time bomb for yourself at that point? Eventually the body will decay enough that the parts are going to, like, float Let up. Go. Yeah. yeah. But what about, it'll probably still hold on to her bones. If it's sure. like, say it's on your foot, your skin decays away. 
Like, if there's a rope, it's going to still grab your ear, unless your foot comes to well, touch, I guess. Well, you know, skeletons aren't like science. <laughs> like, yeah. you need tendons and shit for shit to stay together. I just, yeah, I forget. It's not like the Goonies, apart. yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like fully formed skeleton. I guess when I when I learned about Skeletor, or no, <laughs> who's the guy from Killer Instinct? Ah, uh, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> this is going to kill me. Now that you said Skeletor. Skeletor something. Yeah, of course, because he's Skeleton. I was watching all the Ultra Combos. Oh. And it was just like, like, Jesus Christ, how many buttons do you got to push for that fucker? That game's heavy, too. That's a meaty game. Now, I'm not sure when exactly Jerry did this, but he also moved Jan Whitney's car off of the freeway and parked it at a rest stop, locked it up, and just left. Jeez. This is why I uh, delayed the cops a while from finding it. They reported her car sitting there, but they didn't find the actual car at the rest stop for quite a while. Sure. So, about four months after the murder of Jan Whitney on March 27th, 1969. Nice. <laughs> Hell Yeah. He would find his next victim. Jerry had taken a sick day from work for a really bad uh, headache and decided to just drive around until he reached the Meyer and Frank department store. Oh. Where do we know about this, boys? Oh, what's that? It's the one that got blown up. Yeah, the blind bomber. Damn right. I couldn't remember what year that happened, but apparently Frank and Meyer, is still, or Meyer and Frank were still in business. Beautiful. I love when the when they pop back up. Synchronicities, <laughs> you start man. Mixing together. Synchronicities. You watched Hell earlier. Yeah. I was like, it was in the foreground, yes. Background. Yeah, yes. The foreground. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite ground. <laughs> I think I was literally working on this episode while it was playing. Excellent. So. Well, it's, it's like half attention, half not. That's so. more than you should have given it, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when he first arrived, he had actually took notice of a different girl first whom he was stalking, but ended up losing track of her. While he was on the third floor of the parking ramp, he was returning to his car when he spotted 18-year-old Karen Sprinkler. Jerry said, She had on a green sweater and a matching skirt. I didn't like her shoes, but she was a pretty girl with long, dark hair. I watched her while she locked her car and then came down the steps towards the door into the store. So, it kind of seems like at this point, he's just like, he doesn't even care. He just wants somebody. You yeah. know what I mean? He's horny for it. He, he needs that matching skirt and sweater. <laughs> Before she could enter, Jerry grabbed her shoulder and pointed a pistol at her and said, Don't scream and I won't hurt you. Come with me and I won't hurt you. Jerry then forced her into the car and he took her to his home, driving right into the garage. Right after pulling into the garage... He removed her from the car and proceeded to rape the poor girl right there on the workshop floor. This is the only one that he does while they're still alive. Okay, yeah, I was going to say. It's the only one. I don't know. No, I guess that's not true because he broke into that one girl's house, right? Beat her fucking unconscious. (laughs) Right. Was in the process of beating that one girl unconscious at the gas station or Mm -hmm. whatever. True. And then... What about the girl that he dressed up as Scream? Did he rape her or just make her get naked? Oh, no. he, j- uh, The one he took photos of when he was a little kid? Yeah, and then Younger. he came back. He was like, hey, I'm Jerry. Did, oh, where yeah, where yeah, was yeah. that Scream oh. no, that he, was just here? He, he was just taking pictures. Okay. He hadn't quite escalated that far yet. Afterwards, 
He forced her to pose for a whole bunch of different pictures, some in her clothes, some in her underwear, some in underwear uh, Jerry had, and of course in Jerry's black patent leather high heels. He loves these things. He loves those patent leathers. I love these things. Jordan 11s. (laughs) After he was finished, he tied her hands behind her back, claiming that he just needed to do it so she wouldn't run away. After that, he tied a rope around her neck that he attached to a come-along, swung that over a hoist, and jacked it until she lifted into the air and suffocated to death. Now... I don't know. I was trying to figure out how to explain a come along. Oh, it's easy. Yeah. Okay. You know what it is? Yeah. The only thing I know it is like when my dad, because he's a mechanic, he'd load up a car in a trailer. He would use that to like pull it up there and then secure it. Sure. Yeah. Like a winch, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. So. We basically had them at Walzer, those uh, those swinging things, those boom arms. I can't even think of what you're talking about. Like the the crank ones? Yeah. We Where do we have them there? This is just like two hooks with a big crank. Yeah. The in uh, near Donnie's Bay. Maybe we did. I don't know. I know they have them on that stupid trailer. They're always picking up cars with. Anyway, after this, Jerry just went back into the house, waited for his family to come home, hung out with them for a while before returning to the garage and having sex with Karen's corpse. Now, again, Jerry cut off both of Karen's breasts in an attempt to make those paperweights but again claims he just couldn't get the ratio of hardener right. Mm. I don't know what he's mixing with this yeah. stuff. Plastic something or another. I don't know. This time, though, with disposing of her body, Jerry did it the same night of the murder. He waited until his wife and kids had gone to bed and left the house around 2 a.m. He drove to the Long Tom River, weighed her body down with a cylinder head, tossed her body over the bridge, just returned home. Mm-hmm. Now, after the murder of Karen Sprinkler, Darcy one day had asked Jerry to go into the garage for laundry. That's what she said, some laundry something or another, which Jerry allowed her to do. But then Darcy glanced into Jerry's dark room, which was located in the garage, and she quickly noticed all of the pictures of naked girls. She yelled at Jerry, Jerry, what are these? (laughs) Oh, those? Nothing. Just some film a kid from the college asked me to develop for him. I didn't know what they were until they turned out. Just kid stuff. I'll tell him not to bring that kind of picture around here no more. Okay, but don't let Megan see those pictures. Get them back to the guy. Darcy believes literally everything he says. Very stupid of her. But, I God, I don't want to, like, victim No, no, absolutely not. Darcy... I, I assume she just believed that her husband, husband was is a not psychopath. A serial ca- yes. Right. Just right. like all of us do when we agree to marry someone. <laughs> well, the interesting thing, she's like, don't let Megan see these pictures. Megan has to be like maybe three or four years old. Is she going to know what's going on? I, maybe, the, I, I mean, guess. God damn. And aren't they dead bodies, too? Like, yeah. Ugh. Yes. Yucca pucka. I, I know a sort of college kid has like girls hanging from ropes and shit, but whatever. Some real artsy shit. <laughs> Get here, Darcy. <laughs> she thought it was weird, obviously, but didn't want to bring it up again. Not to mention around the same time, whether it was on purpose or not, Jerry had been leaving photos of himself dressed in women's clothing all around the house, almost as if he wanted Darcy to see them. But again, when she found him, never brought up or asked about. 
Now, shortly after Darcy found said pictures, she also found a thing, which she couldn't quite figure out what it was, but noticed it looked a lot like a breast. Oh, no. Dar- oh, no. He's got a fucking paperweight ready. <laughs> Darcy said, What is this, Jerry? That That's just an idea I had to make a paperweight. A breast? <laughs> For a novelty item. Kind of a joke. It looks so real. Yeah, well, it didn't work. I put too much hardener in the plastic. He is so quick with his excuses. <laughs> I almost wonder if he didn't want her to find this shit. I bet he did. I bet Probably he gets did. off on it a little oh, bit. Oh, I'm sure he does. Fucking freak. <laughs> oh, man, that's not nice, but he is a fucking freak. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. After the police finally ended up searching through the Brudos' home, they would literally find one of these breast molds sitting on a shelf above the fireplace, and it really makes me wonder, probably you guys too, why Darcy would allow him to just keep it up there. Especially if she's worried about Megan seeing it. Like, what the frick? Yeah. Why is there a breast is there a titty mold, mold? I, It's fucking why is weird. Why Karen Sprinkle's titty mold up here? <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking weird. Jesus. Now, on April 21st, 1969, nice. <laughs> Jerry was once again out to capture and murder another girl. This particular day, he had went into the Portland State parking garage and spotted 24-year-old Sharon Wood. He got out and approached her with a toy pistol, threatening her to get into his car. While Sharon was 5 foot 4 inches and around 118 pounds, and Jerry was 6 foot and well over 210 pounds, Sharon was a fighter. Jerry had put her in a half Nelson, but Sharon instinctively bit down onto his thumb, and because she was so scared, her jaw literally locked Hell down. Hell yes. Hell yeah. Apparently, you can get through a digit with the same ease as a carrot. You can, really? The human, The human jaw can bite a finger off the same ease that you can bite a carrot in half, but our minds are, like, obviously scared to bite a finger off. I feel like I'd, I'd be in I my mean, mind. I'd be like, I'm gonna break my teeth. I'm biting too hard. I need. Yeah. Like maybe is the. I wonder if the bone there is like really hollow with cartilage or something. Might maybe be. I don't know. Our bone strength or our jaw strength is unbelievable. <laughs> like we're disgusting. That's why we're top of the well, food chain. Well, if someone ever puts you in a half Nelson, bite, bite your the fucking, fucking thumb sh- off. If anybody puts their hands on you at, at for any reason, bite the shit off. Bite like, him. Let me see your thumb. <laughs> yeah, <fuck laughs> just eat, eat a dick. Don't. Put me in a half, Nelson. Later, she would recall tasting his blood in her mouth. Eventually, Jerry grabbed her by the hair and slammed her head into a Volkswagen bug until she lost consciousness and finally let go of his thumb. It's well, in- now you're going to get the attention of fucking... Uh, everybody. Just, yeah, everybody. No, I lost the name. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. The police. No. Ted Bundy? I don't yes, know. Yes, Ted Bundy. Because <laughs> he oh, drove a wagon. You know what's interesting Portland. about this story? This story in particular, this is her recalling him the story, but when Jerry confesses to the police about this, uh, he claims that he injured his thumb because she had twisted the gun and almost broke his thumb. Oh. He didn't want to admit that she almost bit his fucking thumb off. That this 5'4", 118 pounder almost ripped his fucking thumb off? Mm-hmm. Fuck him. <laughs> Now, because the fighting had caused such a ruckus, Jerry walked briskly to his car and drove off. Oh, I, just I said, gotta go. I said briskly because he didn't want to run and uh, bring attention to uh, himself. That's guilty looking. 
But the following day, on April 22nd, he was still determined to fulfill his dark fantasy. He was driving around Salem when he spotted 15-year-old Gloria Jean Smith walking on the Southern Pacific tracks headed towards Parrish Junior High School. Mm, A little young, or a little old for junior high, I think. 15? You think so? Yeah. I don't know. This is what school she was in. Junior high is like... Eighth grade is where it ends. Yeah. Unless she got held back a yeah, bunch of real maybe, dum-dum. Maybe she failed she, a couple she times. She might be a dipshit. <laughs> he again approached Gloria with his toy pistol, grabbing her by the coat and telling her to follow him. And telling her to follow him. Come with me if you want to live. Or the opposite. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, I thought it was uh, the other, the star of the original Terminator who said that. Oh, Kyle Reese. Kyle Reese. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and then and then old boy Arnie says it in T2. Ah. Yeah. Now, Jerry had actually almost made it all the way to his vehicle, which was actually his friend's car. He was borrowing, mind you. Oh. But the girl broke loose of his grip, screamed, and ran off. Now, Didn't he do this last time? Didn't he borrow somebody else's car? Not yet. No, who, no, no. Who the fuck... Who did we listen to that was like, "Hey, I need to use your, I need to use your car to go do some killing," without saying that, obviously. Uh, I well, we know Kemper was borrowing his friend's guns. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. He was like his former coworker. Can I borrow your gun for a minute, buddy? <laughs> that's what the fuck it was. Oh god. Now Jerry claims there was a woman nearby who saw them. So he just got into his car and got the fuck out of there. Nice. Yeah, don't blame him. Jerry had failed to accomplish what he had wanted to do with abducting a girl for the second time, but he wasn't about to give up. On April 23rd, he once again set out looking for a woman to abduct. This time, he parked his car in the garage of the Lloyd Center shopping mall. He spotted a woman with her arms full of packages. This woman was 22-year-old Linda Saley. Jerry approached Linda, branded his fake police badge, and informed Linda that she was under arrest for shoplifting. He told her he was actually a police officer who was specifically assigned to the Lloyd Center. Not sure why they would have a cop assigned to the mall, but whatever. Obviously, Linda was telling him she didn't steal anything and had receipts to prove it. But he obviously was just not listening, and he just made her get into his car, claiming he was taking her to the police station. We're going downtown. Now, keep in mind that the Lloyd Center was in Portland, and Jerry's house was in Salem. So Linda had to ride in the car with him for an entire hour. (laughs) It's insane. Jerry said this happened next. I got to my house, and I drove into the garage and closed the doors. I told the girl to follow me, and I started for the house. I didn't know my wife was home. She walked out on the back porch as I left the garage. I held my hand back and warned the girl not to come out, and she stopped. My wife didn't see her. I told Darcy to go back into the house and stay there, because I had something important to do in the shop. My wife said that dinner was almost ready, and I told her I'd be in in a minute. Then I tied the girl up with a rope, and I went into the house for dinner. The girl was out there waiting in the garage... My wife said she was going to the health spa that night and that a babysitter was coming. That was okay, because she wouldn't bother me out in my workshop. Oh, my God. I don't know, Darcy. Are you just, like, not listening to anything? I don't know. 
or <sighs> for what's about to happen right now, you're gonna wonder how she didn't hear it. He fucking left her tied up. That's gross. I know. Now, oddly enough, after Jerry returned from his dinner, Linda apparently had managed to undo the ropes, but she didn't try to escape. Uh. She was just sitting there. There was even a phone in the workshop she could have used. But Linda did try to fight with him when he returned. Uh, what? I It's insane. I know. I don't know. Maybe she just afraid maybe she thinks she's st- he's still I mean, a cop there's, there's i don't know there's probably a screwdriver she could have used to maybe she just really thought he was a cop maybe that's what it was okay. i don't know yeah. we don't we don't want to assaulting a police officer yeah i i don't who knows but she was fighting him by kicking and scratching him but jerry was just too big and strong and had finally managed to get his leather strap around her neck and strangled her now he claimed he claimed I'm air quoting here that he raped the poor girl, while she, while he was uh, suffocating her to death. But there's a good chance this is a lie because he was so fucking angry that she fought back with him. Right. So he might have made that up. And we're going to see what he did while he was so fucking angry. After she was dead, he hung her by her neck from a hook in the ceiling and decided he wanted to try an experiment. He first undressed her. Stuck two hypodermic needles into each side of her ribcage, then attached leads to the needles, and then plugged those leads into something with an electrical current. Now, in Jerry's mind, it would cause her all of her muscles to spasm, and she would dance. That's yeah. how he put it. Yeah. But instead, it just ended up burning her skin. Yeah, yeah you're not like, yeah. uh, you're, you don't know where to put these things <laughs> to make them... Do jumping jacks. Let's try idiot. one here, and uh, that but, looks good. But, Fucking idiots. But the thing is, is like this. Is, I think him doing that post mortem is very apparent. He is very upset. Oh yeah. yeah, he's very mad. He's like embarrassing the corpse now. With Linda's body, he did the same as he had with most other girls having sex with uh, her body post mortem. He wanted to make breast molds again but claimed that uh, Linda's nipples were, quote, too pink, and they mm. weren't appealing to him. No, they're not even good, man. Well, I love pink nipples. I, yeah. Here's, I th- again. He's probably just pissed that she tried to fight back. See, yeah, right yeah, here. Because yeah. he had two other women escape, and the third one tried to fuck him up, so I'm sure he has a lot of repented rage Ooh. or whatever. Three Pent women's worth of rage. Repented rage. <laughs> He's a priest. I'm thinking of demon exorcism. I got exorcisms. I got exorcisms on my mind. All right, fellas. So everybody breathe. Murder's over. We made it. Now, after keeping her body for one night, he once again loaded her body up, tied an overdrive unit to her body, and threw her into the Long Time River. Now, after the murder of Linda Saley, Jerry decided to to. Jerry decided to try another approach to presumably abduct and murder girls. His plan was to call down to college dorms asking for a girl by one of the most common names around the time, which included Susan, Linda, or Mary. Those were the hot ones, huh? <laughs> it's Those were the big names. It's funny because he literally murdered two girls named Linda. Sure. So sure. It's a hot name in the in the sixties, I guess. So that means what? In the early fifties, that was what they were naming all these kids, huh? There's cool. not there's not too many Lindas anymore. Susie, Lindy, and Mary. I guess. 
Once they were on the phone, he would claim that one of their friends gave him their number and asked, Hey, you want to go out for coffee? Most of the girls uh, just hung up if he couldn't come up with the name of one of their supposed friends yeah. who had gave him said phone yes. number. Yeah. But eventually, he was able to come in contact with some of them, but this will prove to be his downfall. Now... The entire time during the murders, there had been kind of a super cop who had actually been doing a hell of a job trying to catch the maniac named Detective Jim Stovall. I've actually heard this name. He is a badass. All right. Now, Jim would be one of the officers who would be there when they located some of the girls' bodies from the rivers. Being that they had figured out the names of a few girls found in the river, mainly being Karen Sprinkler he decided to start interviewing college girls because Karen was a college girl. Yeah, well, it makes sense. Interestingly enough, Detective Stovall decided to add who have you dated in the last three months to his questioning because there, maybe there would be a link. Maybe it was someone that the girl yeah. knew. That seems commonplace now. Yeah. That seems like the first thing you would Well, ask. it's probably commonplace because of Stovall. Yeah. Could be. A few answers he received from the girls included... One girl who had dated a man who wanted nothing more but for her to sit quietly and listen to him play his flute for her. As no surprise. They got married two weeks later. He, mm. didn't, he didn't get a second date. Oh, uh, mm. damn. I thought that would just soak those panties. This That is one of the weirdest fetishes I've ever heard of in my life. Maybe he just, like, needs to practice the flute but can't do it unless she unless he has a hot girl she, around. She, she, this or girl maybe, made it sound like it was, like, a sexual thing. Ugh. Like, playing the flute, I guess. Well, I'm the Pied Piper. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if there's any flute players out there and want to explain to us the sexual fetish, please do. We're not you know my here. You know my fucking, uh... You know my stance on woodwinds. Okay. Weirdos. Oh, okay. Yeah. The flute isn't a woodwind. You bet your fucking dick it's a woodwind. It doesn't have a reed. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not a reed. It's a woodwind. It's not a woodwind. It's it a, is it's a, a brass wood. instrument. It is not a brass You're gonna be Yes, it is. You're going to be getting a lot of hate mail I've right been now, in bed for 150 years. A woodwind needs a reed. Jordan, no, I was a saxophone not. player. Jordan, woodwinds. A flute is a woodwind. Guess what, guys? I'm, I'm going to ask my wife because she played the flute. You go my wife! <laughs> okay, now, uh, on this post, everybody, after you listen to this, please come pick a side in the debate here. Pick a side. <laughs> uh, also, a group of girls claimed that there was a fellow who wanted to go to Portland and seek out porno movies. Well, he was weird. He didn't try anything suspicious. Mm. But interestingly... Some of the girls began to mention a weird guy who had been calling the dorm asking for people by their first name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does anybody see the Mary, uh, Susie, Elinda? <laughs> One girl in particular, Stoville uh, got to talk to after she spoke with the weird over the phone and in person. She said this happened. Let's see. It was a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> this guy that said that he'd been a prisoner in Vietnam for three years, then he started in on this garbage about how he possessed extraordinary powers and ESP, that kind of thing. Oh my god. Like he was supposed to be clairvoyant or something. <laughs> he wanted me to meet him for a coke, but I said no. He wasn't offensive when he called. 
He didn't say anything suggestive or raunchy. <laughs> he said he was really lonesome because he'd been away in the war well, for yeah, years. Yeah, he was a prisoner, yeah. Right. And he just wanted to meet a girl who would have a cup of coffee with him and talk. When I mentioned I was taking some psychology courses, he said that he'd been a patient at Walter Reed Hospital. He said he had learned a whole new method of study there and that I might be interested in hearing about it. I guess I, it was kind of foolish to make a date, but I felt a little sorry for him. I feel like that's probably what he's going for. Absolutely. The desperate, the desperate, sad Ugh. war hero I, prisoner. I am a psychic... Vietnam prisoner who knows psychology. What apparently. a dickhead. <laughs> the college girl then spoke about her, quote, date. He came over. He turned out about like most blind dates do. He was a lot older than I expected. <laughs> about 30. He wasn't very good looking. Kind of tubby, and he was losing his hair. I mean, he wasn't exactly a knight on a white horse or anything. <laughs> At first, we stayed in the lounge and just talked about general things, the weather, and studying, although he never did tell me about whatever that special method of study was. Just dumb stuff the way you do when you don't really know a person, or there was something. Well, he put his hands on my shoulder and began to massage it, and then he said, I don't know how to explain it, he said, Be sad. Wasn't that peculiar? He wanted me to be sad, or look sad or something, and I laughed and said, I didn't feel sad about anything. Then he said, Think of those two girls they found in the river. Those girls who got killed. That was an awful thing that happened to them. Yeah, we can see what he gets off <laughs> on now, right there. <laughs> Obviously, this really got the detective's attention. So, they told this girl, if he calls back... Please agree to another date, but make sure you contact us immediately. Finally, on May 25th, 1969, the young college girl ended up calling the detectives and informed them that she had just agreed to have a Coke and some conversation with him. She had told Jerry it will, will be about 45 minutes to an hour before she is ready, but he can come in and wait in the lobby for her. Wait a small darn <laughs> second. So this is quick. This one. Oh, quick. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is, I don't think I mentioned it through this whole thing. Did I say he doesn't drink or smoke or anything? He's a teetotaler really? and he doesn't yep. do nothing, huh? That's why he's singing for a Coke or whatever. Right. So. A Coke and a talk. <laughs> so, Officer... B.J. Miller and Frenchie De, <laughs> Delamere. I'm, I'm Frenchie Delamere. I'm going to assume that's not his real name. I hope it is. <laughs> I hope his name is Frenchie. And I hope B.J. Blaskowitz is that guy's name, too. What's his name? B.J. Miller. Yeah. B.J. Miller. If it was B.J. Blaskowitz or whatever, that'd be fucking sweet. B.J. Blaskowitz. <laughs> so the officers would sit in plain clothing within the lobby and just waited for Jerry to arrive. Obviously, they weren't sure what he looked like at this point, but when a rather large, older man who clearly wasn't a college student entered, it became pretty obvious. <laughs> hey, fellow kids. <laughs> We're going to play hacky sack and have a few brewskis, boys. <laughs> Let's crack it. I've got some doobies in the car. Oh, no. <laughs> now, Jerry openly told the officers that he was married with two kids, his exact address his real name, and that he was an electrician. But they didn't have any grounds to arrest him yet. 
But of course, now he was the main target on the radar, and the walls were about to come down around him very quickly. It didn't take long for the police to find the records from when Jerry Brudos violently assaulted the girl as a young man and his time at Oregon State Hospital. Good. There were also a lot of coincidences, which included the encyclopedia seller Linda Slauson's last known location being within Jerry's old neighborhood, the proximity of some of the other murders to where Jerry lived now, and most importantly, how the ropes were tied on the girls' bodies that were found in the river. It was a very unique type of knot specifically used by electricians. And when three of the detectives eventually went out to talk to Jerry, they saw a few of the exact knots in his garage. In fact, Jerry even ended up showing and giving the police some of the knotted rope. This is how confident he is. You should learn some sailing knots, maybe. (laughs) Just so you're not using the knot of your trade. I'm curious, Jordan. I, I assume you work with around electricians right uh not really anymore we just do the foundations my last job i did it was kind of a weird knot where it's almost like a magnet wrap like this and then there's knots bound around it almost like a mini noose oh yeah they do that shit all the time (laughs) but anyway um but yeah especially with like light yeah drawstrings right that's where i see that more often than not but the police still didn't have enough to arrest him yet They eventually got warrants to search his cars, which included his friend's car, which was a Carmagia. I think that's how you say it. Carmagia, right? Carmagia. Those things are fucking dope. I don't know why his friend allowed him to take it to go try to kill a 15-year-old girl. (laughs) The cops quickly noticed that the cars were damp, as if they had just been cleaned. Jerry told the police... I took it through a 50-cent car wash, and my little boy accidentally rolled down a window. Yeah, okay, Mm -hmm. buddy. Mm -hmm. Finally, on May 30th, 1969, Jim Stovall and Gene Daughtry received an arrest warrant charging Jerry Brudos with assault while armed with a dangerous weapon. Now, what this is from is from 15-year-old Gloria... Who went to the police. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Now she, they gave her a bunch of pictures and said, who did it? She pointed to this guy. Hey, this fat idiot. Right. You know what she said? She said, but he had freckles in real life. But in the Ooh. picture, you couldn't see Jerry's freckles. Oh. So they knew it was him. Yeah, invisible photo freckles. That's apparently. fucking double. <laughs> That's like double the friendship, double the fun, double the pleasure of double mint gum. <laughs> I don't, did you make that up, or is that a real song? No, that, no, yeah. Okay, all right. That's not me. <laughs> now, when they set out to arrest Jerry, they the stakeout team received a call that the Brudos family was leaving in their green 1963 Mercury Comet wagon, Oof. which seemed to be like they were heading for Canada, but they would eventually pull over the vehicle. While at first glance, it didn't seem like Jerry was even inside the car, Detective Daughtry shined his light in the back seat, and it was pretty obvious that Jerry was laying in the back seat with a blanket covering him. No, nope, I'm not here. <laughs> and he was quickly arrested. <laughs> now, even though Jerry had been arrested, he was pretty confident that they didn't have enough concrete evidence to link him to the murders. 
Darcy, on the other hand, after the arrest, could not figure out what reason they would have to even arrest Jerry in the first place. She believed it had to be some sort of firearm possession charge. Now, while in custody, Jerry called Darcy and wanted her to help him with something. Jerry said, Darcy. Yes, I... Just listen. I want you to do something for me. I want you to go out to my workshop. There's a box out there, and it's got some old clothes in it. What kind of clothes? They're women's clothes. Just some junk. Just some junk I had out there. I want you to burn them. And there's a box of photographs there, too. Destroy both those boxes. Jerry, why? The police might try to use them against me. They're asking a lot of questions. Just go out there and and get them and burn them. (laughs) Now, up to this point, Darcy had been weirdly loyal to a man as controlling as Jerry, but... Even though this might have prevented Jerry from getting into trouble, and believe me, she certainly considered doing it, Darcy instead just packed uh, clothing for herself and her kids and left for her parents' house. Smart. Darcy was just way too afraid to tamper with anything that might incriminate her. Now, at first, with interrogating Jerry, Detective Stoville really wasn't getting anywhere. Jerry was playing stupid, although he did openly admit to stealing women's clothing from his neighbors. But eventually, Stoville was able to whittle Jerry down until he just couldn't help himself from bragging about his murders. (sighs) Much like many other serial killers, (sighs) Jerry was very proud of what he had done. He loved to brag about the rape, torture, murder, and disposal of the girls. Now, while the confession is pretty solid, it seems during this time period you need a little physical evidence to fully convict somebody of murder. So naturally, a full search warrant was issued for the Brudos' home. Now, while at the home, they found all the ropes, wires, straps, and sorts of things that we know now were involved in the murders, but upon heading into the attic, the police quickly located Jerry's stash of women's attire, which included... 40 pairs of women's high heels shoes ranging from sizes 4 to 10, 15 brassieres of all colors and sizes, countless amounts of panties and dozens of girdles. They would also obviously find the pictures of Jerry wearing the woman's clothing. What's, what size feet did Brudos have? I don't know. Didn't he wear them sometimes, the oh, shoes? Yes, he, he he'd pro- slam them in there, I'm he guessing. Probably, yeah, he probably just crunched his feet in there. Four to know. ten is tiny. Yeah. Is it for a woman's size? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the real holy grail of evidence was what Jerry had asked Darcy to burn. This being, of course, all the photos of his victims. Jerry had a lock toolbox, and when the cops pried it open, they were in for quite a surprise with the sheer amount of photos. It became very apparent that most of these photos were taken in the workshop that they were literally standing in at that moment. But the photo that would prove to be the most damning was that of a girl's body clothed in black lace slip and panties with garters hung suspended from the ceiling... The camera angled up to her crotch, reflected in a mirror on the floor. Now, you couldn't see her face, but could definitely tell she was dead. But in the very bottom corner of the photo, in the reflection of the mirror, you could clearly make out Jerry's Uh, face. Yeah, that's the one that I was thinking of. That is the one. So this is the one that definitely put him away. It must be. Right, right. Now, apparently they found like a hundred fucking keys 
And some of them, uh, a lot of them were from the victims. So he wow. kept the keys to the victims. Like he had Linda Slauson's car keys. He had Jesus. some of the other's keys. Yeah. Now, initially, Jerry Brudos was, as no surprise, trying to make a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. I think they have to try that you first, think so? right? I think that's like in the defense lawyer handbook. <laughs> Especially when you have multiple murders. Mm-hmm. But the doctors who would examine him pretty quickly determined he was sane. Not only is he sane, he's good at planning, so oh, yes. he's not insane. Now, facing the evidence against him, the confession, the murder tools, the pictures, and especially the one, one with literally him in it, <laughs> the lawyers advise him he should probably just enter a guilty plea because there is no chance in hell of him winning this case. Also, Oregon had outlawed the death penalty years before... So he wouldn't have to worry about that. Boo. So Jerry agreed to just plead guilty and would have to admit to the judge the details of all of the murders of the women. Is this common? Like, the they had the transcripts read through. Like, the judge is like, okay, and you did this to this girl? Like, you did this to, like... You know, maybe the they're just making sure that he won't ever get parole. It yeah. Could be. Or something like that. It just seemed weird. They're like... Very graphic. He had to admit to the judge he'd done all of this stuff. It was very uh -huh. weird. Now, Jerry would plead guilty and be convicted to three of the murders, which were for Karen Sprinkler, Jan Whitney, and Linda Saley. The reason they didn't charge him with Linda Slauson is they didn't have any photos. Sure. Mm. Only one. Now, he would be sentenced to three consecutive life sentences, but apparently in Oregon around this time with good behavior... For one life sentence, you could expect to be out after 12 years, meaning for three life sentences, it would be 36 years, which would which would bring Jerry to the ripe old age of 66. Holy shit, so he was 30 when he got caught. Right. Jesus. I mean, that's for serial killers, so that's kind of kind of old, right? It's It was fucking weird. That's very weird, man. Yeah. Because, remember, he did almost all four murders within a year. Yeah. So, uh -huh. And it took that long to escalate. Mm. Like, and he the got brain electric damage and everything. Yeah, he electrocuted, instantly starts killing. It's very strange. so fucking strange. Wow. Now, obviously, that would be the minimum if he could ever get out, which we know now never does. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, throughout his time in prison, Jerry would order... Multiple women's shoe catalogs that he would use as a substitute for pornography. Okay, I'm going to say this uh, real quick. So, in Anne Roll's book, she really likes to lean... She has, like, literally almost a chapter talking about Jerry being assaulted by other prisoners. Mm -hmm. um, there was two incidents in particular. One, he went to the doctor for uh, rectal bleeding. Now... She points out this could just be their wording for hemorrhoids. Okay. Does yeah. not mean that it was something sexual. Mm. And the other thing is he had got a broken neck or like a broken or cracked neck bone. That's what it was. Yeah. I don't think that just happens. Yeah. So yeah. they, they, I, he probably got fucked up in prison. But anyway, obviously Jerry would try numerous appeals to get out, which never worked. Finally, on March 28th, 2006. Jerry Brudos would die in prison Yay. of li liver cancer. Uh, he had been in prison for 37 years at this point. Yay. So God, I hope that was a slow, excruciating oh, death sure. for him. No, I'm going to verbatim. And he never drank, and he got liver cancer. 
guess it can happen. But here you go. You you take this information to your doctors, Jordan. Say, look, I can drink as much as I want. God Free pass. It kills the liver cancer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm keeping it at bay. Now, the very, very last thing here. Now, uh, after Jerry was found guilty of murder, they actually arrested and brought up charges against Darcy Brudos. Aiding and abetting. That right. Kind of stuff, yeah. Assisting in murder. Now, of course. The re- there's two reasons. One of them actually makes me think a little. So the first one was a nosy neighbor claimed that she saw Darcy helping him put a girl in the garage. Claimed. Mm. probably. I don't, I don't think so. Now, the other thing was in some of the photos, there was it was taken from like two camera shots, right? And Jerry, what was it? This is in two shots and Jerry was in the picture or something. But they didn't have, they couldn't find like the delayed release thing anywhere in the house so they think someone had to help him take the pictures so she didn't she didn't get charged or anything man i just think she had i think she was just oblivious right i i uh, absolutely agree she didn't get charged but she had to sit in jail for a while sure while the trial was going on um obviously after he was convicted and she got out of jail she divorced him changed all their names had nothing to do with him anymore so he, we don't know where or her kids or anything. We don't know any of that information. You so. gotta, you gotta completely disconnect from oh, Jerry. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He is a suppressive person. If we were in Scientology, <laughs> <laughs> he's a bad man. He's a bad man. They didn't talk about uh, uh, John Douglas or anything talking to him like they did in Mindhunter, but I'm assuming they did at some point. That's like interview. Yeah, I wish him. they would have. I wish. I wish. I wish. I'm assuming at some point they. I'm did. gonna look into that so, myself yeah, and but, see. See, because fuck, fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> but there it is. There's our second big boy. That's Ooh. perfect. Uh, there's Jerry Brudos. I Technically don't... third, man. Nilsson's a big boy. Oh, and yeah. uh, again, we, we and again, yeah, yeah. Wow. So people, we've done four big boys. A lot of people don't like to call him a serial killer, but. You know, I I don't know. Do he killed want. he killed two, maybe one, maybe one, maybe two. I right? think he he might be the only one we've covered who I think is literally actually mentally ill. Yes, like the other yes. ones are just serial killers or whatever. So he was, yeah. I think, schizophrenic or whatnot. So it was shocking what he was. Yeah. So there it is, guys. I hope uh, everybody enjoyed the uh, monster that was Jerry Brudos. Oh did. yes. I heard the first episode, we made a lot of people feel sorry for him, <laughs> and now you're definitely not going to feel sorry for him, because he's I, sick. I, man, I remember we were, I listened back, and I remember we were making maybe what could be considered excuses for yeah. Jerry Brutus. No. Like, Uh-oh. Zero. <laughs> zero excuses no, for him. None. He's a shitbird. I mean, up to, I mean, technically up to that point, he hadn't done anything severely bad outside of the assault and robbery but uh yeah he quickly fucking escalated and can you imagine getting mad at your doctor assisting your wife and child no no that is absolutely ludicrous to me so we're keeping an eye what's he gonna do step in there and be like don't worry doc i've got got this I know my wife's vagine better than anyone. Well, listen, if you're mad at your wife's OBGYN, <laughs> email us at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod and Facebook and Instagram Hell at bumblebuttpodcast. Yeah. We have a Patreon. Ooh. Guess what, guys? It's a Patreon, and it is at bumblebuttpodcast. It is at patreon.com slash bumblebuttpodcast. <laughs> Go there. Uh, you have until... 
May 28th to sign up at the $15 tier to receive a hand-drawn postcard. Oh, uh, yeah, Adam Originals. That's right. So our, our, our print this much, this month, is a hand-drawn postcard. So it's going to be great. It's awesome. I've looked at it. It's beautiful. Absolutely I, beautiful. I can see it right now. <laughs> Heck yeah. I got the ones. Uh, yeah, everybody's already done, but hey, I'm always down to draw another one. Do it. You you got talent. I think you, you oh, being yeah. unemployed, you're starting to tap into that. That's got to do something or else I'll hang myself. Uh, <laughs> all right. Shit. We also have the most important part of the show, at least yes, Cody, the iTunes reviews. Hell yes. And I actually... Remember, we mentioned one of our viewers might be from Canada, and she sent me the link for it. We tracked it down? Yes. It is a Canadian review? It is. That's why it it wasn't showing up. God damn it, I knew it. Oh, it sucks. I hate hate the the split-up international bullshit. I was going to say, you you would think that international, or like North America, should be connected. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Canada, U.S., Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Anyway... So it's obviously a, a delectable five star review. Oh, I figured she seems to she seems to be into us. <laughs> I'm new to podcasts and came across Bumblebet. Now I can't stop listening. These guys are awesome. The banter is top notch. The stories are ridiculously interesting, and there is always new content. It is apparent that they put a lot of their time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears into providing us with quality programming. And we're handsome. <laughs> Well, let's I, not I go provide that far. the tears. <laughs> if you're into true crime stories and comedy, this podcast is for you. Cody, Adam, and Jordan have made my COVID 19 lockdown scandemic experience a lot more bearable. <laughs> Keep up the good work, guys. Bobby, thank you very thank much, Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, she talks to me on Instagram. Thank you very much. I absolutely appreciate it. I love all the messages. I feel like I've been getting a lot of nice messages this week. Hey, I got a, I got a message from a couple weeks ago. Really? Uh, it is from Bonzo Les Paul. Oh, yes. Hell and he yes. says, hey, it's me, Bonzo, over here. I'm still listening to the first few episodes, still on the Carol parts, which are great episodes. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to the Carol Edwards. And TBH, y'all are awesome. I'm not sure if I prefer Cody's lifeless, emotionless voice <laughs> or Adam's dark chuckles. Nah, just kidding. Adam, you rock. Cheers, Bonzo. Thank you, Bonzo. I'm going to remind me to bring up that statement in between the bumbles. I got something to say about okay, it. Okay, <laughs> I will remind you. Nothing bad. Nothing bad. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to do it for this one, and this will wrap up the Brudos arc. Thank you very Ooh. much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. We all hope you enjoyed. Uh, my name has been Adam. Thank you very much. That has been Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Adam. That has been Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. All right, everybody. I want you to have a nice weekend. Unless it's Tuesday. I have no idea what to say this <laughs> week.